Welcome to Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast. Welcome to our video edition. This is the anniversary edition of uh, of our show. Well, not the anniversary of our show, but the anniversary of the release of 2049. And we felt like it was important to mark this date and kind of celebrate it because it's it's been a pretty awesome ride. Um, so we we want to kick off talking about what this film means to us in the past year, how it's grown with us. Um, and kind of what that means and what that's meant for us as a podcast and fandom. And it's been pretty, it's, it's been a, a pretty incredible, um, year for me. I know I, the movies really changed my life. So I'll really get started on my end. Um, and you know, I, all of us, I think me, Patrick and Dan are always kind of immersed in this world or the world of filmmaking or certain movies that are coming out or certain movies that we're looking forward to. And, Blade Runner, certainly for me, Blade Runner 2049 is a movie I have not stopped thinking of since day one. You know, I think sometimes movies kind of, you maybe you'll see a movie, you like it, and then you'll talk about it for a little while, and then it'll kind of go away. And it'll, it'll come back a couple months later. Blade Runner has been, not just because we do the podcast, because there are days that, I, you know, we do the Alien podcast, and there are plenty of days where I don't think about Alien because I'm doing other things. I think about 2049 every single day. And uh, I... I know I've mentioned this before, but that first screening um, that I saw, me and Patrick were almost, you got back late, but because there's a three-hour time difference, we were in the theater around the same time. Yeah, like I, I think, think ten, 10 minutes apart or something. Something like that. Like yeah. that. So um, it was, I, I, I will never forget. I mean, I, I went to Los Angeles. Actually, I went to Hollywood, and I went to the Cinera, Cinera, Cineronima. I can't say that word. Cineronima Dome. Cineronima. <laughs> cinnamon, cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cinnamon, cinnamon Toast Crunch Dome. Say cinnamon Anyways, Toast Crunch Dome. Uh, I went to Delicious. the Arclight Theater, and they have a huge dome, and I saw 2019 the day before. And it was a packed-out audience, and it was like seeing the film for the first time. And it was a magical experience. And then, of course, the next day was 2049. And uh, I went to the Victoria Gardens Theater out here in the Inland Empire, and I couldn't leave the theater afterwards. I mean, it was just, my heart was beating, you know, from the, the first moment. And I continue, every time I put that film in or turn it on, it's like the first time I've seen it. I don't know what it is like for you guys, but I just, I really, and it, it's been an incredible thing. And it's really changed my life. I can't really explain more than that what it's done. And I'm curious, how's it been for you guys? Dan, why don't you go? Sure. Um, yeah, I remember... I, I usually wait after opening weekend to see brand new things. I know you guys sometimes stand in line or really want to be there for the first showing. Um, I just like to avoid the craziness. So I think I waited till Sunday. You know, I was so excited for this one, but I waited oh God, two days or three that. days. I mean, I also have a weird work schedule where I work Friday nights and et cetera. So it's not conducive to that. Anyways, um, and I saw it four times in theater. And definitely the first time, I also don't often watch movies by myself. And the first time I saw it, I was by myself in the theater. And... Um, you know, it's kind of like one of those scenes from Interstellar or from uh, A Space Odyssey where he's going through the wormhole or the, you know, and everything's like flying past you at super speed and there's all these colors. Like, that's kind of how I felt emotionally. Super overwhelmed. I think Tim Shanahan described it this way. Just very overwhelmed. Very like, it's too much. To, as, as slow as atmospheric and beautiful as it was, it's still so much to process and you have so much going on in your head that it's like the whole time you're like, oh my God, this is an amazing experience and I love it. And I'm going to have no fucking idea what hit me as soon as it's over. And that's definitely how I felt. 
Um, and then, you know, we've talked about subsequent viewings and certainly uh, watching it with my dad, you know, and I've talked about it on the show, so I won't go into too much detail, but that was super emotional. I really connected with Deckard the third time I went with my friend Fred. And, um, uh, yeah, again, that, that, then I was able to analyze a little bit. I think I did take some notes on my phone, like questions and whatnot. And then the last time I telewatched it with Jamie, where he went in LA in a theater and I went here in Oakland and we timed it to within a few minutes, we were watching it at the same time. And that was a beautiful experience. I mean, not that the theater was packed, of course, by this time point, it'd been out a couple of weeks, but you know, I left a spot next to me. I was waiting to fight someone that was going to sit in Jamie's seat and be like, no, my friend's sitting there, but you know, <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> like stand up in the middle of the theater. So that didn't happen, fortunately. But uh, anyways, and yeah, I got out and it was raining and I remember getting in my car and I just, and that viewing, I really felt like, okay, I really connected and saw the movie through him. And I remember driving my car feeling like I was in his spinner and just like pondering life and pondering the movie and the original. It's just, yeah, it's still a year later. feels like an overwhelming experience that that's part of what this podcast is about for me is trying to unpack this incredible movie that you sort of knew in your gut was a masterpiece on initial viewing. But then as you break it down, you know, there's just, so much to unpack, you know, just an amazing experience still, um, to this day. So I, I understand it a little bit better now. Um, and we've gone through it a little bit more, but still every time I watch it, it's, um, it's both familiar and like a new experience every time. And there's the idea that even though Villeneuve, Villeneuve is an incredible filmmaker, there's the, the, the chance that it might not have worked. There's the chance that it could, it could have fallen flat and we had to be prepared for that. So it's the idea that it's, it's playing up against one of the greatest science fiction films of all time as a sequel. So it's got to work that way. And it's got to feel like you said, familiar. And the fact that it worked was, I mean, so we're not leaving the theater feeling like, Hey, this worked as a film. We feel emotionally connected to it. Like it's a piece of us. Oh yeah. And I think the, the odds stacked against it, which we've talked about before were almost insurmountable. It's really a miracle that they pulled off what they did. Yep. If you think you, about the, am- the amount of time that passed during which people could have expectations build up, you know what I mean? The decades and decades of time that fandom, and not just us, but but fans around the world who are older than us, who you know were older when the first one came out and have really spent the entire intervening time waiting for this to happen, you know? And just how many how many times we see things like that go wrong, like we see things come back and get rebooted or something and it's just not done well it doesn't it doesn't work on some deep level and to have that pulled off so exquisitely with this film is still something that i think about all the time i know i've told the story about how i saw it on the show before but just i want to kind of go back through it for a second because it's funny but also because it plays into my receiving of it and i think the way that i process it as time goes on so um i was record we were recording Shoulder of Orion episodes like every night the week before it came out because we had all of these, you know, we wanted to do like that. Fine. One of my favorite memories actually is Jamie, when we did that listener episode where we specifically wanted to make something. And Dan, you might remember this, this is before you came on board, but you probably listened to it. Right. We yeah, wanted to make, we wanted to make something for people to play on the way to the theater. Do you remember that? Yeah. And we've had, we had, we were like, tell us the story that you keep in your heart about the first movie, because this is something that for many of us and definitely for me, I had never really had a place to express until this podcast came along until I joined fan groups and I had never really let that out before. And so I knew that process was cathartic for me and I, and I wanted, and you wanted all the fan community going to see this thing 
to be able to listen to what it meant to other people on the way. So even if it wasn't great, you would feel like you were part of something, you know, like you would feel like you weren't alone. And if it was great, it would feel like the simultaneous um, eruption within fandom, you know, and and it was a simultaneous eruption. So so I was in Europe. We were recording these things as there for work. And um, my, I don't know if I ever told you this, but in the in the hotel room that I was staying in, it was this like old mansion house, basically a carriage house. And I had a um, a curtain put up over the lamp in the room for sound deadening so we could record the show because it was like such a loud hotel room. And it fucking caught on fire. Did I ever tell you that? No. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, it, it was it was a towel. And it, so I had to like dump water on it. We were about <laughs> to record. It starts smelling like smoke. Um, I called down to the, I was like, my light bulb exploded. And they were like, they're like, oh, whatever. Um, but that was actually, it was like that when I recorded that episode. So I'm just going back through my sort of biographical moments. So then we come back because it is part of how we receive these movies, you know, how our lives intersect with them, I think. Mm-hmm. So then I, I get on the plane coming home, knowing what's about to happen and knowing that this thing that I am so excited about that I actually feel kind of nauseous is waiting me when I get home and then my wife's going to get to the airport and we're going straight to the movie. The kids are going to be all set. We're going to get there. I knew that I had like an hour to spare and it was going to be perfect. And then, of course, we run into issues where the plane has to do a circle around. There's some problems on the runway. Um, a go around, Patrick. It's a go around. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we'll go. Um, and there's all these like issues. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, my God, like the time I'm running out of time now. I'm going to miss the opening night of the movie that I've been looking forward to more than like pretty much any other film in my entire lifetime. Um Including Prometheus, but like, like I was more excited about this than I was about yeah, Prometheus. Me too. Because I need, I needed this movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um. And uh. And then and then we make it there with like six minutes to spare. I'm like so tired, and we sit down, and just that sense of the film washing over me that I still get whenever we watch it, and whenever I think about it, the sense of encountering an experience that's almost too big to be a movie. You know, it's a sense of, and, and it, because it opens just so beautifully with that shot going over that um, the greenhouses and just that wash of the score after that crawl. I remember when the crawl came up, I was so busy trying to make sure that I got every word right. And I was being so anal about it. I was like, don't, don't miss any, any, anything. Like I was like, <laughs> make sure I get every fucking word because I will never watch this for the first time again. My right. whole life. You know what I mean? It's so much to take in. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, oh my god! And what was that sound? And like the music—is this—is this reference? And then he goes over in the spinner, and I was like, I'm done. I'm just gonna watch this movie. And from that moment, I took—I literally physically took a deep breath, and I allowed the film to happen. And from that until the end of the movie, I was just completely in awe of this. And I will never forget calling Jamie on the way out of that theater. At you know, it was the middle of the night for me. It was already late for you, and I couldn't get words out. I was trying yeah. to talk to you, and I couldn't get words out. Yeah. I couldn't fucking breathe. Um, and I haven't had that experience since I was a child where I couldn't actually talk. I was so overwhelmed. And then, yeah, I saw it probably nine more times. I went alone. Um, in Boston, it did so well. It was playing for, it was playing, I think, until December in a lot of theaters out here. Um, and I went to a showing at like an underground art house cinema. I went to a showing with various groups of friends. I just kept going back and back. And um, and now it's like amazing. It's a part of our lives that we get to take with us. And uh, this journey has just been, for all of us and for the show and for fandom, so amazing.
got to move on to listener feedback um, before I blab anymore. So why don't we go ahead and do that? When do you guys want to start? <laughs> yeah, Dan, do you want to start with? Yeah, um, let me start us off. So this, page. yeah, this is from the post Jamie made. Uh, visually, it's the one with the spinner where he asks everyone kind of, you know, how was the movie sitting with them now? What was their first experience like? Is it a new favorite? And um, so I'll just kind of quickly go through and read some comments. Um, let's see here. Jason Tudor says the first viewing on IMAX viewing was awe striking. It was without question the best item I'd seen in cinema in a few years and was a perfect sequel to the original. I've watched it probably a dozen more times and there's always something new to catch in its production. The dialogue or the acting. I still process so many moments. Kay watching the Sinatra hologram, that brilliant bit of dialogue saying, I'll put a hole right here and look myself. So wonderful. This is why films are made for the big screen. Um, let me see here. Phil Hunt. I walked out of the theater on opening day and was completely gobsmacked by how good Blade Runner 2049 turned out to be, but I tried to temper that reaction with as many criticisms as I could muster. I was excited as hell to see it, and I didn't want to just embrace it because of that. There were a few others seated there with me, not many, sadly, and I wanted to turn around and ask each one of them, did you love it? But I didn't do that. After watching it a good number of times throughout <laughs> the year, I can say it holds up. My initial critiques haven't. Instead, they become fodder to analyze and reflect, and reflect on as I watch it again and again. I do love it. I think it's at least as good as the original. I'll keep returning to it for a long time. And then let me read one more. It's a little long, but I, I like Michael's comments. Michael Soloff said, I had waited such a long time for this movie and was so scared that it would suck. <laughs> but I remember sitting in the theater and thinking a couple of things. One, man, this movie is long, LOL. And two, my God, this movie is stunning. I had never seen a movie before that I kept thinking during it that I can't wait not only for the next scene, but the next shot. And I remember leaving the theater thinking that was the most brilliant, brilliantly written sequel that I'd ever seen. After seeing the first movie, I left having so many questions unanswered, and this film answered none of them, but I didn't care at all, because this film also raised so many new and wonderful thought-provoking questions that I didn't leave the theater disappointed, just longing for more. More shots of beauty, more intelligent conversation, more brilliant looks at life and love and self and relationships and science and the future. Very few movies in my life have made me think and feel. This one did. And this movie falls into a rare category for me. It's one of the things that I will look back on years later and say, boy, am I glad was I, I was born at the time I was so that I could be around to see something this genuinely amazing. Something that, like the first film, will stand the test of time. The ancient models give the entire endeavor a bad name. What a gift, don't you think? From Mr. Wallace to the world. The outer colonies would never have flourished had he not bought Tyrell, revivified the technology, to say the least of what we do. So, uh, so, so these comments are coming from the fields of Calanthopost. Um, and, and just a, a little disclaimer before we go too much farther, we're not going to have time to get to everybody's, but we're going to kind of pick and choose some. I really recommend everybody who hasn't yet go onto these threads on our Facebook page and on fields of Calantha. Um, and in the, in the Blade Runner 2049 Worldwide Fans Group and read the stuff because there's a lot of great stuff we're just not going to get to for the sake of time. But we're really grateful that everybody pitched in who did. Um, one comes from David Dazan. He says, I'm kind of thinking that a Game of Thrones style series would be more satisfying now. We could play out the replicant revolution. Most of the movie cast wouldn't be needed, although it would be great if they could resurrect love. 
Um, and, you know, we've seen this a little bit with talk about having a TV show with this whole comics thing kind of emerging now that it looks like this is setting some groundwork for more expanded series content, which is really exciting. Right. Um, our good friend, Mike Andrews, who recently became a moderator on fields of Clantha and is, uh, one of our creative partners over on perfect organism, um, says, uh, I gathered a group of 10 plus people to go see it opening night. I didn't look up a single thing about it and I saw no trailers. That's fucking crazy. I knew Ryan Gosling was a blade runner. And the year was 2049, and the movie started, and I was glued to the screen for three hours. I still love it and continue to love it more as I see it. Um, we have uh, – so our good friend Froilin – actually, no, you know what? I'm going to get to him in a second. Um, our, uh, so Connor Murdoch, another guy who is uh, a part of ours over on Perfect Nordism and a fellow Blade Runner fan. There's a lot of crossover between the two franchises, I think. Um, he says, uh, I only watched the – Original for the first time a few months back, and then 2049. It was utterly mesmerizing. The end of the movie brought tears to my eyes and left me physically exhausted. And part of me felt I could watch the movie countless times over, but it would never hit me the same way again. One of those rare things you wished you could forget just to experience it again. And one, I'll read one more, and then we can move on a little bit. So Allison Rich says, I saw it on a big screen because I had to. I went in highly skeptical, and I loved it. I reflected deeply on it, and it stayed with me afterwards. I really appreciate Denny Villeneuve for his talent and respect to 2019, which is my favorite film of all time. We'll come back to those in a minute. But Jamie, you want to go ahead and read some? Yeah, I'll read three of three of uh, the ones from the Blade Runner 2049 group. A great, huge group. Ian Suter, who is uh, the admin of the group and the founder of the group, has also been on our show. Again, a lot of crossover. Um, we're just a really, it's a really great community. And I posted uh, from our page the same image to their page to get feedback. And there's a lot of really great feedback, and we're still getting it today. So the first one is from Michael Davidson, and he says, Having watched it three times now, I like it. It seems to have bits missing, if you know what I mean. Which I don't really know what he means. I, I don't get it. Um, and I'm going to skip down to Anna Heineke. Hopefully I'm saying your name right. I'm sorry if I'm not. One thing I was 100% right about. For me personally, all movies from 2017 through 2018 were ruined for me by this visual masterpiece. I'm not complaining at all, so that's a big thumbs up. Peter Gogren says, I saw a press screening on the 2nd of October last year and fell in love with it immediately. And lastly, from this group, uh, Bruno Rio said, I saw it already five times, and still every time I catch something new to enjoy, it gets better on each viewing. Now we want more. So... You're here. Um, again, uh, I, I just want to make note as we, we're going to pivot back to our PO page and talk about a specific entry. Um, the reception, this is one thing I really wanted to briefly discuss. The reception of fandom to this sequel has been unparalleled. I have not seen this since Aliens. I haven't. I have not seen a fan. I mean, we know what's going on with Star Wars. Even between us, all of us are kind of divided on certain things. Patrick and I are divided on Covenant. A lot of people love it. A lot of people hate it. There's some middle in between, like, people. But I'm pas really passionately passionate about my opinions. Um, but to see Blade Runner and to see this film embraced, not just by general fandom, hardcore fans of the original. Dan is a hardcore fan of the original. I think... When I think about people who are hardcore fans, I think about you, Dan, a little bit because there's a litmus test. I think that people who sure. the original film holds it's it's something. It's like this lockbox inside of us, and to have something breach it is a very difficult thing. And have or even all touch of these it. hard, yeah, 
so you have all these hardcore fans saying, this blew me away. This blew me away. And, and I want to um, make mention of one thing, and that is we have this one post that I made, so we shared it to our Fields of Calantha page, which is our official page. Come on, join in if you want. And then the Blade Runner 2049 page, and then our official page, which is Shoulder of Orion. And there's probably maybe 120 response, responses. I've only seen two. Of all of those, I've read two. One very critical, highly critical, and one kind of like, eh, it was okay. Everything else is gushing praise. And to me, that when fandom is that uproarious about their response to a film, you've succeeded. So I just thought it was worth mentioning. Yeah. So Dan, I'm going to throw it back to you and we're going to read Sure. Yeah, let me Let me read one more comment that's pretty emotional and this is our friend Carla who's a personal friend of mine so we we've had hours and hours of conversations specifically about these movies. I think when you speak about uh, original Blade Runner hardcore fans, she's certainly one of those, so I think what she she puts it very well from that perspective. Uh, and then we can pivot back to uh, John's comments. So Carla says, I remember tears. First time I watched 2049, I was so emotional that I almost wasn't able to understand what I had just seen. It's not an easy thing to meet your f- favorite movie's sequel. But as soon as I saw the first images and listened to Zimmer, it felt like a dive. I was so immersed in that world again that it was hard coming back to reality. 2049 was visually stunning. And apart from being 30 years different or having less texture, there's a blade on her heart beating inside of it. One of the most intensely emotional scenes was seeing Rachel 2.0 feeling the pa- or seeing Rachel in Rachel 2.0, feeling the past, present, and future coming together, playing with our mind. And I love the new paradigm being brought to us. What does it mean to be human? Is now extended to what does it mean to be synthetic? All sort of different and complex questions pop up everywhere. Is a hologram a synthetic being? Does it have feelings? So many layers. Thrilling and beautiful. 2049 is a brilliant movie standing on its own. I love the freshness, the visuals, the amazing soundtrack. It's wonderful to be a part of it. Just like the original, the viewer is interlinked and constantly tested. I'm still discovering it. A process of love. So now we're going to discuss a more critical uh, opinion on Blade Runner 2049. And really, this is kind of new territory for us. Because as we all know, we you know we love the film. I would say we more than love it. And the general consensus, again, is that it's a masterpiece. And uh, I have no reason to debate that with you guys. There's no reason for you guys to debate that with me or between each other or with anyone else. We're all kind of in agreement. But I think that's okay. Although, could you, imagine, could you imagine if one of us hated it? That would be crazy. Would Could be you imagine? That would probably be more interesting to listen to the show. <laughs> or we're more critical of it. We're like, yeah, it was okay, but, you know. Even instead of just being completely in awe of it. Every, I mean, it's like, you know, I can't even imagine. But that's that's, a, that's an interesting thought. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's healthy to hear that there are, there's a 1% out there, really, yeah. of people who don't enjoy it. And that's fine, you know. And that's unfortunate, but not everybody's going to like everything. That's, that's, I mean, I love The Last Jedi. There are people who hated it. Dan didn't like The Last Jedi at all, but that's okay. And we don't, you know, we can honor each other's opinion. And we can um, have discussions. Per- yeah, it's important. Yeah. It's a great movie, though. It's not a personal, it's not a personal slight when someone disagrees with your opinion. And I think, but I think um, it's good for us to kind of get a, a, I would say, for all intents and purposes, an outsider's perspective on 2049, someone who didn't connect with it. So, Dan, do you want to read it? Uh, sure. 
So this is one of our members, John Martinez, and it goes through a couple of back and forth comments. I'll read the main one first, then maybe we can discuss and jump back. So John says, ever since I read a few articles from centrist sites, it has changed my mind completely about this. Jared Leto is a waste in this film. Ryan Gosling was perfect as an android because, let's face it, he often shows zero emotions in his acting style in almost everything, and Harrison Ford was there as the old man who picked up the check and didn't add anything noteworthy to the story. The dialogue was tired and predictable, and even the plot has been lifted from several international sources, mainly Japanese. Ultimately, I was let down by the entire film because of the plot holes and tired devices they employed to carry along this albatross to the end. Visually, it looked nice, and I say nice, not great. There have been better uses of visuals to employ in other much cheaper films that made me look again there, not here. Sequel of a sequel, you say? Why? I think this is in response to, you know, should we have a third movie? Nothing at the end demands it. Let's face it. It was a two-star movie at best. The film was dull and pandered to the fanboys. Sorry if I offend the loyalists out there, but the original Blade Runner will forever stand alone. Nothing can stand near or next to it. And I'm aware you will never read this on your podcast because all you want is positive praise to be disseminated for the rest of the geeks and pseudo-intellectuals like me. But then this is a free open forum. My opinion matters as much as that piece of gum on the sidewalk you avoided going into your local 7-Eleven. Nobody's opinion matters, really. Wow, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot in there. There is a lot there. First off, can I just say something that um, I if, if we have ever, 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 ever given off the impression that there is not room for dissenting opinions on this show, then we have done a disservice to the community because we love and really welcome dissenting opinions. And it would it, and it hurts me to think that some people might not think that. Just because we agree and have people on who agree with us um, doesn't mean that there's not room at the table for people who don't. And maybe a good idea would be to seek people out who do have differing opinions more often um, and have them on. But I, I, I do take a little bit of a... I just wanted to kind of point that out before we unpack what he said. There's always room at the table with this show and within fandom. Yeah, don't know, totally. I agree. Said I, I disagree with everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you know, someone using the term yeah, android I, I sort of, it's... I feel like, throws themselves out there as. I mean, he obviously knows the first film and is a fan, but I'm like surprised to hear that because I'm like, eh, most fans know the difference between a replicant and an android, first of all. But you know, I'm not gonna. I don't want to get nitpicky about it. Um, I will say, is it... go ahead, Jamie. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go I was ahead. just gonna say, we do all see influences. For one, I think in any kind of these future noir style, you know, altered carbon type shows, like the the first film is a nobody can deny the influence that first film had visually on all these other sci-fi genres. So undeniable that it's going to have it's not derivative, but it's going to have some. I mean, everything has source material that they pull from, right? So that's just natural. When he states, you know, other sources, mainly Japanese. He doesn't, it's, it's unfortunate we can't talk about that more because he doesn't state what he's referring to exactly. So, you know, again, if he wants to comment and, and throw that in there, I'm happy to talk about it. But um, yeah, it, I, it, and I guess my, my own personal objections, aside from the fact that visually, I mean, considering all the CGI garbage that's coming out nowadays, you know, the fact that they use CGI in such a smart way. And of course, you know, we have our interview with the model makers and talking about those, these directors that do, re- you know, again, we talked about it ad nauseum, but I think that that does such a, such a service to the visuals is using CGI to augment and clean up things, not to create them from scratch, I think is 
I mean, it's a monumental uh, endeavor that you're taking on, both in budget and in time and everything. So just that shows a lot of respect for the initial material. If you watch Villeneuve's interviews, you know that he was concerned about it being a failure and how much he respected the first film, et cetera, et cetera. In terms of Gosling and Harrison Ford, um, I think, not to get into a Star Wars argument, but I think that Ford's entry into uh, The Force Awakens, like, I felt like a lot... Without stating my opinion, I'll say I think a lot more fans saw that as fan service percentage-wise than the people that thought that in this film. Rick Deckard is such an integral part of the plot and the characters that it's like, yeah, no, I mean, they obviously, not not that he had to come back, but if he was going to come back, he was going to be an important part of the story. And even though he doesn't have that much screen time, I will, I'm not ashamed or embarrassed to say it again, like, I really felt Ford deserved um, an Academy Award nomination for his acting. I mean, he, with all the things that are going on and Rachel 2.0 and Jared Leto love or hate his performance, it's certainly powerful and passionate um, and his method acting, et cetera. But Ford, I think, really carries those scenes. Um, and Gosling, I won't even go into all, you know, what he does with his eyes and the director talks about that and why he was selected for the role and what he did. And, and again, the fact that Blade Runner, the original, came out the way it did through a contentious like war of a filmmaking process. It's almost surprising that they ended up with what they did since most of the fuck people hated the director and thought he was a dick. And you know what I mean? This film is like basically a bunch of fans of the first movie who are professionals in their industry and like some of the best all coming together passionately to make a movie. I mean, again, without even going into details, like you can see that very clearly and it's, it's all over the interviews. So I'll stop there. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I think there's uh, a couple of things. I think some people, and I've been guilty of this too, uh, you go into a movie expecting the worst, and sometimes that movie will not play outside that box. No matter how good it is or whatever, it won't play outside that box. And I, I, um, and I, Although he said he said that he liked it first, right? Mm-hmm. I think in read reading more, yeah, that's kind of what turned his opinion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I guess... Uh, I, uh, that's a little foreign to me. I don't usually have, I don't usually like something and then read something and say, Oh no, I don't like it. I, I, I don't get it, but whatever. We're all different. We're all swayed by many different factors, I suppose. And I think that, again, I want to kind of honor that. Um, but I also, I've said this before and I think it's really important. And this is true for me so much. Sometimes if, if we don't like a piece of art, doesn't mean it's the art's fault. It means maybe we just didn't connect to it. And I think that's the truth for, it could be true for, for John. I don't know. Like just because he doesn't like 2049 and most of us do doesn't mean it's 2049 problem. It could be his problem, you know, and I'm not saying that it is or it isn't, but I think we need a healthy dose of maybe it's a little bit of both. Maybe, you know, um, like just because we go into the water and the water's cold doesn't mean the water's too cold. It just means that's how the water is, you know? And I, I think, um, and I don't want to get too far involved in this because I, it is a very, very negative. I mean, it's kind of a the, the quote, let's face it, almost like, come on, guys, wake up. It's one thing to have a negative opinion or a, um, a passionate, critical opinion, but there's something a little bit vindictive about it. Um, there's something well, a little bit I, nasty I think, about it. I think you have to question where vindictiveness can, vindictiveness can come from. And I think sometimes it's from feeling personally hurt in a, in a deep place, right? And I know that. And I know that experience. You know that very well, as do yeah. I. Um, 
And uh, yeah, I think there's been many times in our lives where we felt that about something that we've cared very deeply about, and uh, and it really hurts. And and we and it must also really hurt to not have that opinion reinforced for because it's so beloved overall in the fan community. And if and if I'm somebody who grew up loving 2019 so much, and this thing came out and it felt like a mess to me, and it didn't gel with what I thought 2019 was about, but all of my friends and the people that I looked up to and enjoyed the company of were loving it, I would probably feel pretty vindictive. You know, mm-hmm. um, so I I definitely have sympathy for that. I, I do think that um, of of the things that he pointed out, the the one to me that seems like more of a not necessarily a salient consensus in fandom, but something that, that gets brought up a bit is Leto, and I think that's probably because his character is it's one of those you have to kind of love it, and if and if you don't, then you're probably going to hate it because it's kind of an extreme role. It's written. In, in an extreme way, and it's performed in an extreme way. I think the reason why we like him is because we feel like he's committed to that sort of extreme borderline portrayal. Um, I think that, you know, as we talked about at great length before, part of why his character works really well for me is because he it takes somebody who's not of this normal human experience to save the world and all these various things we've talked about. So I'm watching it. Just like, why is he reading it like that? Why is the dialogue so stilted? And I get fixated on that. I can see that being frustrating, you know. Um, but in general, I mean, it's, you know, I, I have to say, I know many people who are seeing it in theaters. I, I can think of people, poor people right off the bat, who are very close to me, including family members, who grew up loving Blade Runner with me and were too afraid to see it in theaters. Because, uh, so my cousin, my cousin Miles, who I don't want to, out because he listens to the show but um is one of the biggest blade runner fans i have ever known and we grew up loving this movie together and um you know he has a a tattoo covering his whole leg now for blade runner he's a huge fan and he did not see it in theaters because he was so afraid of being hurt and because it's in a very deep place it's a real it's a real thing Um, yeah makes sense it makes sense and and now of course now he watched it every week and he's like kicking himself because he won't get that opportunity again and i think it's worthy to note that as someone who feels that a film was released and I took it personally that sometimes mm-hmm. you do take it personally. Sometimes you feel like when there's, you have this idea of what this film, you know, especially if there's only been one with alien, we're lucky because we have three for mm-hmm. the most part. Most of us have three films that we absolutely love. Um, but then you have something else released into that kind of universe and you feel like, where's the film that I love? Where's the heart in this film? Hey, yeah. I, I know that firsthand and it feels it feels like you've been wronged. It feels like you've been violated a little bit and you get angry over it, even though it's not personal. So I get it. And I want to honor that. Um, yeah, I think what? I, for me, I think vindictive might not be the right word, or at least we don't know enough about John and his opinions on a deeper level to know what his reasoning is or what his connections are to the first movie or, you know, but I, I agree with Jamie and, and Patrick. I think having preconceptions and having a very emotional connection to something can, yeah, can make it feel personal when a film lets you down personally, because it doesn't go the direction you wanted it to go. Um, or, uh, you know, it's maybe you don't like Ryan Gosling's performances in general. And so even the fact that he's cast is already putting you in a bad light. Again, I'm not going to speculate too much on where John's coming from. I will say as a positive response to sort of his critique, I will say that, um, he sounds very genuine. He does not sound like a troll. Like he is, and and he responds to that when people try and call him out for like just copying and pasting an article. He's like, no, these are my words. Like, yeah, an article kind of made me think about it this way. But you know, I, I want to give him credit for a being genuine, b stepping out into a crowd that was not going to be friendly towards him. Um, mm-hmm. 
And, and that's a risk. And he didn't have to say anything. So like, I respect him for putting his opinion out there and just very quickly of things that I could connect to. Again, I think Leto's performance is very 50, 50 for people. You either love it or hate it. I don't know anyone that's kind of in between. Um, and you know, I, I will agree. I think because it's not a hundred percent perfect movie, right? We can all find little things here and there. And I'll say that I completely disagree that the dialogue was like trite or boring or um, predictable. Um, but I will agree with a couple of reviews, like, you know, from, from film reviews I've read that, uh, there are a couple of lines that were sort of like a little bit too on the nose for people. Um, like, uh, Fraser's line of, um, of course now that I need to, I'm not going to remember it. One where she's talking about um, Got it right here. Sacrifice, sacrificing yourself. Is the most human thing that you can do. Yes. So that that line, yeah. that, line that is, you know, sort of, uh, it's very, very <laughs> emotional, but like very on the nose for what she was saying. Some people argue, well, they didn't really need to write that in there, which, you know, like I'm not going to argue whether it should be in there or not, but like I can see that. Um, and some of some of Joshi's comments about the wall as well, I think were a little bit on the nose. So, like those things are there. And, and I'm not trying to nitpick at all the movie because I look at it as a whole. And so for me as a whole, it's an emotional experience that, hits in the you know high 90 percent like perfection range and so i i just can't i can't break down something like that that could have been a like eight percent rotten tomatoes score and just been a terrible disaster so but again i respect john's opinion and i'd like to thank him for coming out oh, and and giving absolutely. it yeah but to and, really and also wrap- let us know uh john like how you react to what we're saying and if other and if other people mirror those comments like we'd love to discuss them more um sure yeah but before we wrap up, I just a couple more I want to read quick from uh, the Fizzle Plantha, just kind of brief little uh, comments. Is that okay? Sure. Minutes? Okay. So one is our friend Froyland, who did, of course, the artwork that we use on our um, stuff of Rachel. Um, and he says, uh, it was one of the few movies to bring a tear to my eye, and that he watched it so many times in the first two months that he had to take a break. Um, and he said, uh, is it a new favorite? Fuck yeah. Is. Um, another one, uh, <clears throat> let's see. Um, so Scott Adams says uh, Blade Runner 2049 is a masterpiece. I don't say that lightly. It has entered my top five movies of all time. Every frame is a work of art. Um, there's a lot of comments that we got about Love in particular as a breakout character and a Sylvia Hex as an actress being uh, a, a big uh, stickout for people. And I got to say, last night I saw the trailer for the girl with the girl trapped in the spider's web. And uh, it was so cool seeing her in a new, I'm like really hoping that she gets a lot of work now. Cause yeah, me too. She's amazing. Um, Dennis Zielke says it's simply the most visually beautiful film ever made. Stunningly beautiful. Um, and a lot of people say things in the, in the neighborhood of, it was something that they immediately thought of as a classic. So, um, there's a lot more, but people can find those on the, on the discussion group. Got to wrap this up. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, you've heard the fans out there. I think you might see us doing a lot more of these videos. They, they seem to be pretty popular. People like to see us talking about things. Um, we, we can put them out a little bit faster than the full episodes uh, of the podcast, which sometimes take a couple of months because of backlog, et cetera. So, um, yeah, we're trying to get better about responding directly to fans. So again, negative critiques for the few of them that are out there, like bring them on. We're happy to uh, engage in those and we can do a longer uh, episode, I think, where we discuss that um, as well as the mostly positive reviews. Like, you know, keep keep writing in and um, we'll do more of these episodes because we really want to engage with you guys more. We're, we're proud to be an important part of this Blade Runner uh, universe or world. And um, 
Yeah, we, we, we want to give everybody else an opportunity to kind of have their voices be heard as much as we're uh, happy and grateful that our voices are out there and we can sometimes create some content for you guys, but really just participate with you guys as much as possible. You know, we really appreciate that opportunity. So I want to thank everybody, thank our patrons. Um, I'll pass it off to Jamie and Patrick for closing. So I think we're basically at time. Um, and I, I have to say, going back and rereading these comments and, and talking with you guys, it's really hitting home what a big year this has been just for us and for fandom. And um, it's been such a great ride. And I got to say, I can't wait for many, many more years of this to come. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, we've noticed people really enjoy these videos. So we'll probably put out more of these. They're a little bit faster to produce, faster to put out than the podcast. So people don't have to wait as long and they're a little more current. We're trying to do a better job of getting into you guys' comments. You know, we really, we're so grateful and thankful for the place that we, not only that we hold as the only Blade Runner podcast, but the opportunity we have to connect fans and um, foster these conversations that, again, like Patrick said before, I feel like all our lives we've been fans of this movie the original and never really had a place to do this in this way. So it's a great time to be alive. It's a great time to have all this technology to connect all of us from Australia to Europe, all over the world. And, um, yeah, thank you to all our fans and our patrons who contribute. Um, you know, you can look at our, our show notes to, if, if you want to throw down a dollar or two to help us out. Um, you know, we've been getting a lot more contributions lately and it helps us put out more content like this that you guys seem to love. So thank you. And, um, we're looking forward to this next year of uh, the Blade Runner universe. Totally, both what, exactly what both of you said. Uh, it's just it's been a great it's been a great year. Uh, it's been really awesome to re to engage the community. I haven't talked about Blade Runner ever, except for in this past year. I mean, I've been talking about Alien or the Alien movies for all my life. I've never been able to talk about Blade Runner. So to be involved not only in the podcast but in the community and with you guys has been probably some of the most satisfying times of my life. So I'm really, really thankful.